You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So last week... We started to look uh, kind of in the middle of Romans, in Romans chapter 6, and Vicar Rathke reminded us that we are, we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God. And so uh, this week we're going to be continuing in Romans, into, into Romans chapter 7, uh, because we want to see how does Paul continue that conversation? How does Paul continue to talk about this relationship that we have with the law? And he continues by saying, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the code. And so Paul continues in this conversation about the law and the the effect that it has on our lives, and really he's asking the question, what is our relationship with the law? That's the question that that he's speaking through for us. That's the question that I keep asking as I read through Romans, right? What is our relationship with the law? Well, again, last week, Vicar Rathke uh, pulled out the text from Romans chapter 6 that reminded us that through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to God. You weren't here last week. If you didn't catch that, I encourage you to go back and look at that, whether through Facebook or through uh, the Trinity Fremont podcast, but, but listen to those words. Because as he, one of the things, as he was preaching, he, he, he kind of went through a number of, of sins that for, for some of us may have cut deep, because Maybe those were sins that we are struggling with in our lives today, and, and so it's very possible that, that you went out, and that's why Paul continues in his letter, it's very possible that you could have gone out from that wondering that maybe my relationship to, law, to the law is this, that like, if I keep on sinning, that apparently I may, maybe I'm still a slave to sin. The, the phrase that, that Paul uses here is bound or captive to the law or to sin. Right? This was me while I was growing up. It didn't matter what I did. I I prayed the sinner's prayer probably like five or six times to ask Jesus into my life to make me a new creature. And then later that day, or if I was lucky, the next day, right, I did those same sins that I was trying, that I thought Jesus was going to free me from. And so over and over and over in my life, I would then end up just assuming, well, I must just be a slave to sin. I must not be good enough. And so my picture of Jesus was this judge who was sitting up at the right hand of the throne of God, watching down on me, looking for every single time that I messed up. It's not a fun picture of Jesus. And that's a, not a great relationship to have with His law. And so, so the way to combat that is to just try really, 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 really hard not to sin. Right? And if I do that well enough, then maybe I'll actually please God. I'll prove to God and to those around me that I'm not a slave to sin. 
if I'm just good enough. And I saw this a lot when I was growing up. How many of you ever had one of those bracelets with like four letters on it? What, what were those four letters? WWJD. And what did they stand for? What would Jesus do? Right? And if, if that's our guide, which is great, right? We want to say, what would Jesus do? Yes, I should live. But, but if that's all that Jesus is, then he just becomes this moral guide. And if I can, if I can follow in his footsteps well enough, then I'll please God enough to earn my salvation. Now, I know a lot of you good Lutherans out there are cringing at this, right? Because you know that you cannot do enough to earn your salvation. And I had somebody after, after worship uh, at the last service come out and said that he tried to really ingrain into his, into his high school youth uh, when he was helping out with, with youth that WWJD doesn't stand for what would Jesus do, but why would Jesus die? I went, oh, that's stolen for the last service. Thanks. Right? Why would Jesus die? So, okay, so good Lutherans know that if we try really, really hard, it doesn't matter. We're poor, miserable sinners. We cannot please God with our actions. So what does Paul say? What's our relationship with the law? Well, he says, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Right? And so, it's very easy to go from one side of the pendulum where, like, I'm, I'm a slave to the law and let that pendulum swing all the way to the other side that says, oh, yay, I'm released from the law. There is no law anymore. Right? I can just do whatever I want. I am completely free to do anything. Right? This seems like a lot more fun. Right? I can do whatever I want. Yay! But in, again, in this in this relationship with the law, Jesus doesn't matter, right? Jesus did something really nice 2,000 years ago, but now he doesn't mean anything, right? As long as I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. And that's, that's what happens if this is our relationship with the law. Well, maybe you can tell by how I'm talking with each of these that these probably aren't great relationships with the law for God's people. Right? This is not what the law is for you and for me. All of these relationships fall short of, of what the law is intended for, for those who have faith in Jesus, to those who have been made new by Jesus. And so let me go back to that initial question is, what is our relationship with the law? Well, I want you to think of sin in medical terms, right? Sin is something in us that should not be there. Right, if we go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, uh, Adam and Eve, they did not have sin in them. This world did not have sin in it, and it was perfect. Right, and Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. They had a perfect relationship with God and with each other. But there was one law, and that one law was do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They broke the one law, right? They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they already knew good, right? So the only thing that they gained from eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is evil, right? And in that moment, sin entered them, and sin entered this creation. And so if we think of sin in medical terms as something inside of you that should not be inside of you, there are a few different ways that we can deal with that medical condition. One, we can just ignore it. 
Just pretend it doesn't exist. What happens when you have something inside of you that shouldn't be inside of you and you just ignore it? It gets worse, right? And ultimately, probably leads to death, right? So that's not a great, that's not a great option. Or you can know that there's something inside of you, realize that it needs to be out of you, and so you can grab the scalpel yourself and start digging. Yeah, doesn't that, isn't that just a pretty picture? And what happens, what, what's probably the likely result of that is you start digging in yourself with a scalpel? You're going to bleed to death, probably. Right? So again, both of those lead to death. So what should you do when you have something inside of you that should not be inside of you? Where should you go? The doctor, right? Go to a great physician who then can take that same scalpel but use it in a life-saving way to cut out of you that which leads to death. Right? And you have a great physician, right? You have a Savior, Jesus, who has not only saved you, but also seeks to cut out of you that which leads to death. And notice it's Jesus who is doing it, right? It is He who cuts out that which leads to death, right? What is our relationship with the law? Well, the law shows us our sin. It shows us our need for Jesus, But as we ask ourselves this question, the first thing that we need to realize and make sure that we know very clearly is that the law is good. It's very easy as Lutherans to have this idea of law and gospel, this duality that sometimes we pit up against each other, saying, well, the the gospel is really good, right? We like the gospel. It's good. So the law must be the opposite of the gospel. And so the law must be bad. If the gospel's good, the law must be bad. No. St. Paul, if you could, if you continued reading in Romans chapter 7, he talks about how, no, the law is good. It is holy and pleasing and perfect. And so we we have to make sure that we we have together that the law is good. As I was preparing for this today, I was reminded of one of my professors from, from the seminary, Dr. David Schmidt, uh, and he was, he was just talking about the law, so he didn't like take, this is not a theological statement that he took a lot of time to, to, to really write out the exact words, but I think it's really good. What's our relationship with the law? Well, the law in Christ is a gift for us, guiding us in life, right? The law is good. It is God's will. It's a, it's a gift for us, and it guides us in life, not guides us to earn life, to gain life, but in life it guides us down the path that we should go. It teaches us the best way that God has set up for us to live. And so then when we sin, the law in Christ acts as a scalpel that seeks to cut out that which leads to death. And so as we consider then our relationship with the law, as we hear the law, maybe it was the law that, that was spoken last week, Maybe it's the law that has already been spoken this week. Maybe it's the law that the Spirit is speaking to you that has nothing to do with with anything that you've heard at all this week. Or today I'm going to take us through the greatest sermon that's ever been recorded for us, the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew 5 we read, uh, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, 
not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform uh, to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then Jesus, a little bit later, says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then this is what we'll, the last one that we'll look at today. Again, this is not all of the law, but this is some of that that Jesus points out for us. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So as we hear those words, we're reminded that the law in Christ is a gift for us, guiding us in life. And so maybe the Holy Spirit was speaking through those words of Jesus to you specifically today, or maybe it was still words from uh, the, the vicar Rathke brought forward to us last week, or maybe the Holy Spirit was bringing up a different law, one of the Ten Commandments or some other law that that was hitting on your heart today. What does the good physician want to cut out of your life? As you hear that Holy Spirit speaking that law, it could, easy, it could be easy to just ignore it and say, Jesus has saved me, I'm good, I don't need to worry about it. Or it could be easy to go to the other side and say, I need to grab that scalpel and dig that out myself. But notice how this question is asked. What does the good physician want to cut out of your life. It's He who does the cutting, and it's He who does the healing. The law acts as that gift, that guide, but it also acts as a scalpel that seeks to cut out that which leads to death. So this week, may you allow the good physician to do His good work in your life as He seeks to cut out of you that which leads to death. And may the the gift of the law be that, that it is a good gift that guides us down the path of life. Amen? Amen? Amen.